Hello and welcome to another episode of the County Cricket Podcast in association with our friends at Bear Crickets. I'm your host, Aaron, aka the Cricket Connoisseur, and joining me on my left for today's very special episode of TCCP is none other than Leicestershire and former Essex batter Rishi Patel. So Rishi, first things first, mate, thank you very much for coming on to the podcast today. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome you on for a chat about all things county crickets. I have to ask, mate, how's your day been so far? Day's been good. Um, it's been busy. We've just finished a gym session and a running session, so all of the boring stuff about being a cricketer sort of coming out this morning. Um, and then we have the afternoon off, so it's pretty chilled. Um, but the weather's not too great out here, so I can't go play any golf, which is a shame. <laughs> Are you a keen golfer? Um, I'm not a very good golfer, but I want to get better at it. So I do try and spend a lot of time playing golf. I, I'm the same, but the only thing that I can do, aside from putting, I'm very good at mini golf. The only thing that I can do to some extent, I'm not exactly a professional, but driving. I yeah. do like to give it a good absolute smack wow. you know, on the green, but... Yeah. The, the mid game is nowhere near. What about yourself, Rishi, in terms of your golf? Where do your strengths and, and weaknesses yeah. lie? Yeah, off the tee, very, um, all right. I can sort of find fairways and then it just goes belly up from there. It's, uh, it's, it can be quite bad at times going left and right, missing the green. <laughs> Trying to get on the green is a real hard part. It is. That's the thing. I mean, the driving, fantastic. It's just, you know, when you're using the irons and the wedges. Yeah. If only golf was just drivers and, and putters, eh? They do say you uh, drive for show and then you putt for dough, so... You do indeed. <laughs> Sagely advice here on the Counter Cricket Podcast. I'm not even two minutes into the episode, <laughs> but... Yeah. Golf aside, Richard, because we aren't just here to talk about golf, although it might crop up again at some point later on in the episode. Instead, today, we are here to discuss your cricketing journey, and just as is the case with any story... It does, of course, have a beginning. So, Rishi, I want to take it all the way back to the origin of your cricketing journey, if I may. What were your first ever memories of cricket, either playing or watching this simply sensational game? Um, so, obviously, I come from an Indian family and an Indian background. So, all I remember sort of on the TV was India playing a lot of cricket. And with that comes back then was Sachin Tendulkar and the way he played cricket. So I always try to watch that. And he obviously was a big, big hero of mine, just watching him play and seeing his drives and, you know, shots that he played be so small, but he'd just be magnificent to watch. It was indeed, yeah, the little master. Yeah. One of the greatest players of all time. And Rishi, this is a big question, actually, to kickstart today's podcast. But is Sachin Tendulkar the best ever cricketer that you've seen? Oh, that I've seen, without a doubt, I think, yeah, he is up there. I mean, Coley probably comes close now, but back then, I think the way he did it from 16 years old, I think not many players can do it at that level at 16. We have a big talent in Rahan, and he's sort of getting through at 18, 19 now, but to be playing international cricket at 16, you've got to be different gravy, I think. Well, he most certainly was, and he was just such a classy and elegant player, wasn't he? And in terms of the eclectic mix of shots that Mr Tendulkar possessed, what do you say was his greatest attributes on the cricket field? Uh, the best shot I loved watching was just when he hit straight down the ground, just a nice cover drive, nice drive. And you now I try and um, emulate my game around playing down the ground, and just watching him was amazing. 
completely concur with that. Lovely cover drive, lovely straight drive as well. Sachin Tendulkar, beautiful balance, great execution. I, I kind of miss watching him play, to be honest. I think a lot of people do, don't they? It's just yeah. yeah there is one bat that stands out um, when he used to use it. it. Used to be an Adidas bat. Um, I can't remember what the name was, but it was an Adidas bat. And all you'd see um, was this grey sort of um, where the tape had all, all worn off of just the middle of the bat. And it, you'd be like, that guy must hit so many balls out of the middle for that tape to turn grey into that one area. It's outrageous. But then again, he was the little master and yeah. one of the greatest to ever do it. Obviously, that is a debate in itself, isn't it? Who's the greatest cricketer? of all time that's something we could discuss all day long to be honest yeah. because it's such a, a subjective question obviously people might say Don Bradman Virat Kohli in the modern era as well people all have their different shouts but Sachin Tendulkar regardless of if you think he's the best or not goodness me he's up there isn't he yeah absolutely I think him and Shane Warne were my two idols I think I still have a post with Shane Warne in my home back back in Chigwell <laughs> so those two guys are up there it was just a great era, though, wasn't it, for cricket? Yeah. And I have to ask, actually, I was going to mention about idols. So clearly, Sachin Tendulkar, mm. Shane Warne as well, the late great leg spinner, 708 test wickets. Unbelievable was Shane Warne. But aside from those two, Rishi, anybody else in the game of cricket, either domestic or international, who you tried to emulate in those formative years, per se? You know what? I watched a lot of those two growing up because um, I used to bowl leg spin as a little kid. And then I used to try and bat and sort of slowly the batting sort of took over the bowling. Um, but as a junior, like I'd go through Essex juniors and I'd be, you know, batting from one to five and then be bowling my eight overs back then of leg spin or 10 overs. Um, so I had those two guys sort of that I focused on and tried to replicate in my own game, I guess. Fair enough. Well, two lovely shouts, two legends of the game and... It's interesting you mentioned they're actually bowling leg spin. Why did you stop that then? When did the transition into becoming a, a specialist bat actually um, come about in the first place? So I found it a lot harder to control leg spin as I got taller. Um, that had a big influence. So I changed to bowling off spin, which worked for quite a while, and I still bowled. And then I had a shoulder injury, I think, a couple of years ago now, and I just haven't been able to get to the right level um, in my bowling. I mean, I've tried in winter and stuff, but it's just not really happened. So it, then the batting's just taken over and I've just tried to dedicate myself to being the best batsman I can be. Fair enough. Obviously, that's a sensible thing to do and injuries horrible, aren't they? Mm. They really do set you back and it's a shame that you've had to, to stop that really. But let's say in the future, you do have the opportunity to bowl some, well, I suppose it'll be off-spin now. Yeah. I suppose the leg spin, is that something which is still on the on the cards per se for the future? Oh, yeah. I love being involved in the game. Um, so bowling, batting, wherever it is, like whatever I can do for the team, I'll definitely sort of give it my best and give it a crack. But yeah, I'd definitely love to bowl again. That would be amazing. Good. Well, I'm glad to hear that because I'm, I'm an off-spinner myself. So yeah, always good to hear that people still bowling. That's, in my opinion, the best form of bowling obviously seam bowling is the most appealing one isn't it in terms of you know bowling those 90 mile an hour plus yorkers and the the short ball think back to that spell from joffrey archer to to marlis in the 2019 ashes and then obviously you've got the the mystery and magic of mm. leg spin but i just think with off spin i just think you can make people look a bit daft can't you well i think harm has sort of shown it 
quite well. I think over the last three, four years in Counter Championship, like the way he's just bamboozled the best batsmen in, in, in the country. You know, there aren't many off spinners around the world. I think Nathan Lyon's probably the other one out there who can do it sort of at that international level, but there aren't many of them floating about. There most certainly aren't. So any young cricketers out there, get into off spin. Yeah. More Simon Harmers and, <laughs> and Nathan Lyons of this world. I actually think it's Nathan Lyons' birthday a couple of days ago as well. So, yeah, happy belated birthday to Nathan Lyon. I suppose if he is listening, I doubt that he is. But, again, a very, very good cricketer. Yeah. Is Nathan Lyon done plenty of damage to our hopes as England fans over the years in Ashes series. But talking of the Ashes, actually, Rishi, this is interesting because usually by this point in the podcast, we would have mentioned an Ashes series, maybe 2005 or in some cases, an earlier series than that. In terms of any memorable series, can you think back of, of any which have kind well, of, you know, put you on the right path in the game of cricket? I think it would be the 2005 Ashes, you know, like when England winning that. And the dream has always been to play in an Ashes tournament or try and win an Ashes tournament because they are so rare, I think, um, especially if you're away and... You're not in England, like they are real rare and to come around. So sort of remembering that was was a big moment in the English cricket. Most certainly was and quite clearly has had a profound impact on not just the county circuit, but I think in, you know, cricket in general, to be honest, in this country, such an immortal series. And Rishi, I do ask this question so often on the podcast, but if you could go back in time and relive just one day from that most incredible of test series between England and Australia, which day would you go back to and why? Oh, it'd have to be when they lifted the trophy. I think if you're there for that moment and you can experience it as a fan and then experience it as a player, I think then you're winning everything in, in cricket because... You know, like the fans are so important to the game. They keep us going um, wherever you play. So to experience as a fan and then as a player, I think would be the ideal scenario. Most certainly wouldn't. That was an interesting one, wasn't it, actually? When it came to that series, I'm not sure if, if many people remember it, but the series had a little bit of an anticlimactic finish, didn't it, at the Oval? Because it was essentially abandoned due to bad light. But there was just such a funny moment talking of those fans. And the fans do make an Ashes series mm-hmm. with that banter and the rivalry between the, the Englishmen and the Aussies. But it was the, the English fans were putting up umbrellas, right? Saying that it's, you know, too dark, no place possible. And then you had, you had a section of Aussie fans all in sunglasses, rolling up <laughs> the sleeves and everything. It was just fantastic, fantastic showmanship. And yeah, definitely added to that series. And what a series it was, 2-1 in the end to the hosts and as of this recording we still haven't lost a home series on English soil since then so fingers crossed 2023 that streak can be continued and actually Rishi just before we talk about your time at Essex and we discuss your county cricket journey talking of the 2023 Ashes do you feel confident for that series? Um, I think that Australia have a very good bowling attack a very good bowling attack probably the best in the world at the moment. And their batting has been a number of points of concern. But I do think with the bowling we have, obviously, hopefully Jimmy and Broad can get a few more. Um, I think we've got a good chance, yeah, I do. We have indeed. I'm not going to ask for a prediction 
because that never goes well here on the podcast. It really doesn't, as I found out with the last ashes when I said three to England. That went well, didn't it? Down under in Australia, and then oh, having to watch that every single morning, the late nights, the sleepless mornings. <laughs> that was absolutely nightmarish. But fingers crossed in 2023, England can, of course, get the job done and bring the ashes back to its rightful home here yes. in England and Wales. But Rishi, aside from the ashes and aside from international crickets, let's focus our attention now on the county circuit, which is, of course, what lends its name to the podcast, the county cricket podcast. We haven't really discussed it as of yet. So in terms of county cricket, what are your first memories of the county circuits, and in particular with Essex County Cricket Club? Yeah, my first memory would be probably being on the academy and being told slash asked to come in and do um, a stint as 12th man. And I came in on the last day at Essex. And it was actually against Leicestershire, surprisingly. And it was um, Leicestershire who won that game. Um, I remember Mark Cosgrove flicking the ball off his legs and the ball sort of saucering into the boards um, at Deep Square Lake where I was sort of on sitting on the, um, in the dugouts. And that was probably my first memory of county cricket, you know, coming at that moment. Because I hadn't really experienced it as a fan. I went to T20 games, um, but during, obviously, you have school and you play cricket on the weekends. There wasn't really the chance to go to county cricket. So that would have been my first experience of it. And I remember walking into the dressing room and Sam Cook, who was there with me, sort of gave me a little nudge and said, when you go into the dressing room, it can be quite intense. They've just lost a game. And sort of preparing myself for that and so as it was it i went in and it was just dead silent and everyone had their head down heads down and you could genuinely see it hurt the lads to lose a game of cricket well i mean i suppose at the same time it's understandable isn't it no one likes to to lose a game of cricket but that is quite the <laughs> the the baptism of fire i suppose going into yeah. that dressing room environment after a loss and I have to ask, actually, Rishi, in terms of Essex as a club, obviously having grown up there yourself, that would have been your local team, but what were your first impressions of Essex as a county? Yeah, I'd grown up through um, the age groups and my probably my road to Essex becoming a professional wasn't the easiest. Um, sort of, I never was the standout kid going through the age groups. I was never in the EPP sort of came onto the academy really late um, as a 17-year-old and even then was never fully on it until the season had started. I was sort of just training with them and they were sort of assessing me to see how I went. Um, so it was a real hard environment for me to come into. And then when I did make it, you then had these amazing pros. You had, obviously, Cook was around a bit, Tom Wesley was around, Nick Brown, who'd um, been doing it for a couple of years, previously Tender Scott who'd been around for years, Ravi Bapara. So there wasn't really um, the space to come in and almost play first team cricket. It was sort of waiting around, playing a lot of twos cricket, being sort of on the sidelines, being doing 12th man duties and hoping that one day that there'd be a spot open for you and you having to try and, you maybe only have one game or two games, but trying to um, almost solidate your position 
which unfortunately for me never really happened. Well, before we discuss that, and we all discuss that in due course in terms of maybe why it's so difficult at Essex, to be honest. I mean, obviously in recent years, they've been such a successful team, haven't they? And, and in fact, that the story of Essex is so interesting because before 1979, the club had not won a single trophy in, I think it was 84 years, 84 years of, of competition in the county championship. They had not won a single trophy. And then since 1979, they did the double in that unforgettable summer and all of a sudden they've got over 20. So Essex <laughs> definitely one of those, you know, modern giants, I suppose, in the yeah. in the county circuit we have today. And yeah, as I said, very, very successful county. But in terms of your debut then for Essex, Rishi, what can you remember from that day? Because that's an interesting journey into Essex. Yeah. You know, I suppose the first 11 and that dressing room environment, not being part of the EPP, having to do mostly second 11 and, and 12 man duties. What can you remember from that day then? And just how special was that as a result of those previous experiences? Yeah, it was a very proud moment. Um, I was actually playing a twos game, sort of, because um, we had a twos game running alongside of it. And I come off the field at lunch, I think I was, and I was at Chelmsford, and we were lucky enough to play on the ground, which very rarely happened. And Barry, who was the second team coach, goes, you need to pack your bags. You're going to the Oval. Um, Ravi had a back spasm, so he can't play. And I was like, right, okay. So I've got, so I, I packed my bags and I had a little Nissan Micra, you know, a gold Nissan Micra driving in, asking the directions to how do I get to Surrey uh, County Cricket Club, essentially the Oval. And I'm sure the stewards are like, what is this kid doing here? He's rocked up in his Nissan Micro and he's um, here at the Oval. Which, as you can imagine, surrounded by a lot of Surrey players and their big flashy cars. And um, the lads obviously got the bus down. And I was just there with my Nissan Micro, thinking, how have I ended up here? Pretty much. Um, and then the first morning was a bowling. We were bowling that day, so... Fortunately, I was sort of out the out the firing line, can work my way into the game. Um, come into day two, batting, and I sort of went out, I think, about half an hour before lunch, maybe an hour before lunch. And I remember before facing my first ball there, he had, um, I don't know what birds they were, they were a black crow or magpie or whatever it was sort of just um, sitting around on the pitch. So I walked down, obviously tried to move them out of the way with my bat, walking down uh, the, sl the slip cord and giving me a bit of chat about how unlucky it was to have pigeons on, on your pitch. And then that sort of whole innings was a bit of a blur, really, because I remember sort of playing a lot of shots um, and a few shots that I hadn't really played before, sort of adrenaline going, and suddenly I was like 32 off about 20 balls, 23 balls, got off to a flyer. And then it was the last over before lunch. And I played, I think, off Tom Curran, a uh, backfoot drive that went for four in the second, second ball of the last over. Um, had a couple of dots and then pretty much tried to play the same shot again, I think the fifth ball of the over, and nicked off the first slip. And I remember walking back and just thinking the whole world had come down on me and just being so disappointed. Um, 
more so for the teammates of just getting out before lunch not so much for myself just being what a silly man i was um but what i do remember the next morning was mags who's a head who is still the head coach there going up and never he didn't criticize me he said you know what you played really well you had great input you were aggressive you took the game too sorry and if you get that ball again just hit it for four and sort of sort of having that sort of conversation um or and that was in this morning with the group around and him giving you that belief to just go out and be free i think one of the best best parts of playing in that game well that's lovely to hear rishi and obviously anthony mcgraw has been a fantastic coach hasn't he yeah. for essex we're going to keep on bringing up those trophies but they have been a, a titan in the modern county circuit and it's just funny <laughs> thinking back to that the the almost omen the ominous signs of the magpies yeah. and the crows amassing on the oval outfield that must have been a little bit frightening i suppose <laughs> for, for you making your debut but very very good recall i've got to say 31 from 25 balls dismissed by tom curran was there a particular reason why you actually had that particular mindset during that moment was that just nerves with adrenaline or did you go out there with that game plan of taking the attack to those sorry bowlers not really honestly like i wasn't thinking about anything apart from trying to get off a mark um i remember my shot it was off liam plunkett and it was just a wide long hop and i just threw my hands at it and i got a top edge over the slips for four um and it was just one of those things that things happened without me thinking about it i suppose the naivety of youth and coming in in your first game and you just had that freedom to go go out and play and there wasn't any pressure on you almost because you know they had these amazing players around you that who was this little kid coming in on debut like you can just go out and be yourself and play absolutely and you most certainly did that six fours over the course <laughs> of that innings that's not a bad debut at all and you mentioned about getting off the mark with a top edge I usually say this for bowlers, but same applies for batters. Doesn't matter how they come, does it, in no, the game of cricket? I think I've scored most of my runs through third man now anyway, so it's all good. <laughs> oh, goodness me, Rishi. <laughs> I mean, it can be a cruel game, can't it, cricket? So you've got to just take every single yeah. run that you can get, and doesn't matter how they come. Again, some sage advice for any young cricketer out there. Celebrate every single run. Celebrate every single wicket. You never know in the game of cricket. You never know, but... Aside from that debut then, would you say that was your, your proudest moment in an Essex shirt or did something top that? Because in the second 11, you know I was going to bring this up, but you, you were very prolific in the summer of 2019. In fact, you broke Darren Robinson's record of, of five centuries in a season. And the reason I say broke, he also scored five centuries, but you did it in 10 innings. He did it in 24. So in my view, that's breaking the record because you've surpassed him. So <laughs> between the debut... And of course, that memorable second eleven season, or something else, I suppose. Mm. What do you say was your real highlight, the proudest moment from your time in an Essex shirt? Yeah, I think that season was amazing because they'd released me from the academy um, the year before, so I wasn't sort of contracted or didn't do anything with Essex. I went away to Melbourne um, for six months and came back and sort of just trialled essentially and I had a really good season and I don't know what it was down to whether it was a bit of luck remember my first game as well in that and we we're playing down at Hove 
and I was down, I, I walked in and I was, wasn't sort of sure where I sat with, with the team and where I was going to bat. I looked at the score at the board where just wrote where what the order was and I was down to bat eight and I was like, right, it's just going to be another season of me just sort of filling it up and batting down at eight and wasn't really too happy at the time. But then I wasn't in a position where I could sort of challenge Barry and be saying, well, I want to bat higher because um, I had no contract and I understand that contracted players obviously get priority. And we're playing football in the morning of the warm-up. Uh, Matt Coles rolls his ankle. And he was down to about five. And rather than sort of everyone going up in order, in essence, I went up to five. And I scored 100 in that game. And then I pretty much didn't move from five for the rest of the year. So it just, it shows sometimes that you just need a little bit of luck on your side and that one inning sort of can change the whole way, well, probably change my career in truth. See, it's weird thinking about that, isn't it? Mm. Oh, that really is, because that's completely out of your control as well, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. There's nothing I could do. It was just a bit of luck from my side, a bit of bad luck for Matt Coles and... The rest, I guess, is history, and I'm still fortunate enough to be able to play professional cricket. It's weird how life works out, isn't it, Rishi? Mm, absolutely. But really the, proud, the proudest moment, I would say, is um, not even playing. It was just sort of being involved in that season where we won the county championship. And I was there at Somerset for all four days doing my 12th man duties because I was sort of still on the fringe in that season. And just the sheer level of celebration and enjoyment when Tom Abel decides to shake hands um, with, I think Cook was out there at the time or Brown, someone who was out there at the time and just the celebrations in the change room. And it was just an amazing part to be a part of that really. Well, I'm glad you brought it up because 2019 for Essex fans, obviously a tremendously special year, lifting the county championship yet again after winning it in 2017. What was it like being a part of that squad? Because even if you're not, you know, a main starter, the fact is you contributed in that season. You were a part and parcel of that squad. You made your debut for Essex in that season. What was that like to cement your place in history and be a part of an Essex County Championship winning team? Yeah, it's obviously really nice. And I'd love, I can always hold on to that part where, you know what, I contributed to that season. And it's, it's one of the reasons why I don't really like to say I've won the T20 Blast because they'd won the T20 Blast and I hadn't played any games in it or hadn't been around the squad. So, But with the County Championship, I can always say that I played games there and I'd won it. However, there is a part of me that would also like to win it and play the whole season. And... You know, we have those ambitions to keep winning trophies and keep doing stuff and contributing more and more. And that's the same thing. Like now I'm here with Leicester. I want to win Div 2. I want to win every single trophy I can get my hands on and be a part of that success a bit more. Well, I know that's going to be music to the ears of any Foxes fans tuning into today's episode. They'll like the sound of that trophy, silverware success. It's what we all want as fans and, of course, players as well. That's a good attitude to have, Rishi. It really is. You've got to be up there every single year competing for those those respective titles. And before we talk about Leicestershire, because obviously that'll be another mm. big segment 
of today's discussion. Just going back to the Essex conversation, aside from the debut, tremendously special, that remarkable second 11 season as well, and then all of the, the glory and triumph of the county championship. We've spoken there a lot about the good moments, the yeah. excellent times, and you know, cricket is full of highlights, but at the same time, it's also a very tough game, isn't it? And when you're low in cricket, this game has a real tendency of kicking you, you know, when you're down, it's it's pretty cruel at times, is the game of cricket, as a lot of people find out. And I just wanted to know, really, aside from the highlights of the good times, were there any particular difficult moments, any particular tough times in an Essex shirt, which you experienced from your time down in Chelmsford? Yeah, I mean, obviously getting released from the academy was one of those low points. It was well, what do I do now, sort of um, started looking for jobs when I came back from Melbourne and wasn't sort of expecting anything to come from cricket and I'd almost sort of given up a little bit of hope of playing cricket and I had one sort of last season before I went to university because um, that was going to be the plan and, you know, crack on with life and whatnot. Um, and... And I get a text from Barry saying, oh, look, are you available? You're out. And I was like, look, I'm not doing anything. I chat to my parents who were very much, look, it's up to you. If you want to play, go play. Um, but don't forget there are other counties around so you can trial for them as well. Um, and eventually I, I got sort of decided to just go and play cricket for another season and see how I did while I was, at, while I was going to uni anyway. Unfortunately, I had a good season to the end of it but I remember from that time I sort of went out to Australia sort of trying to figure out um, a lot of things and you know things not involving cricket and living by yourself in a different country and you know all the other stuff that comes along with um, being by yourself and figuring stuff out by yourself and I think that helps you mature very quickly and I think a lot of young cricketers even if the cricket, when they go out there, isn't a great standard or they don't perform very well, I think you'll find out a lot about yourself by just simply going over for six months and relying on yourself and doing everything by yourself, essentially. Absolutely. I think that's very sage advice, to be honest. Again, for any budding cricketers out there, it's not just about the cricket. It's about that yeah. character development as well. And yeah, I think you've articulated that incredibly well there, Rishi. And it's interesting actually mentioned there the the life outside of cricket, I suppose, because this is going to be a difficult question, but when players do get released, I always like to ask it because it is something which you do need to think about. What were your plans then? You mentioned university, but let's say cricket didn't work out and the dream did come to an end. Did you have a, a backup plan in those times? Not really. I'll be honest. I mean, I always enjoyed sort of being around sports, so whatever I wanted to do would be within sports. I knew that much for sure. Now, what I was going to go into, I wouldn't know. I was going to do a sports and uh, business degree. Um, and then I sort of changed that to um, more of a sports degree. Um, in uh, what I was hoping sort of leaning towards would either be psychology or um, be sort of physiotherapy, that sort of role within sports. Um, but that was the one thing I did know. I did know I wanted to be involved in sports. It's interesting. It's very interesting you mentioned that. So in terms of the psychological aspect of the game, mm. 
Is that something you're very interested in? Yeah, so I did psychology at school and A-levels, I did well at it. Um, and it's sort of something that I've always been interested in. So I'm not an avid reader, but I'm starting to read a lot more books um, and not just about psychology, sort of um, different ways of life. And at the moment I'm reading um, The Daily Life of a Stoic and sort of they have a lot of interpretations and way of almost having clarity around the way you think and the purpose of what you're doing and sort of going through that and almost finding out more about yourself and realizing that cricket's not the be all and end all there's still more to life than just cricket and i think once you realize it, it takes the pressure off your game and you can just enjoy cricket for what it is well, I'm glad you mentioned that because, again, before we get on to the discussion about Leicestershire, Leicestershire fans, we will talk about your, your county at some point, okay? You do have my word for today's episode, but I'm also fascinated by the psychological aspects of the game because cricket is, again, it's so cliche, but 95% mental, 5% physical. It really is determined a lot in terms of your performances by what goes on up here. And it's interesting you mentioned the, the life outside of cricket, taking that step back. Has that interest in psychology and that looking at different perspectives of life, has that helped you in terms of, you know, making your game any better, per se? I think so. I I was really good at it sort of at the start of the season where I was injured and I was like, I didn't beat myself up too much about it. I was like, look, this is just the way it is. Like, whenever I come back, I'll be back and I'll be ready. And there wasn't that pressure that I put on myself and I had a really good start to the year. Um, however, that sort of petered out sort of towards that one day comp where I wasn't in great nick and I didn't do very well because of how well I'd done the year before. And then I start overthinking things and I got into sort of a downward spiral, I think, in terms of cricket and life when cricket suddenly took over my life and I forgot that, you know what, doesn't really matter and for me I I think cricket um, defined who I was you know if I'm not scoring runs then I'm not the person that I should be because cricket had such a big uh, part of my life at that point so sort of learning about that and almost taking a step back and saying well actually it's just something that you do you have a whole other life outside of cricket you know what I mean? So I found it really hard when I was down and I couldn't find my way out. And that eventually ended up me not playing the last couple of games of the Red Bull stuff. And I think everything had sort of got on top of me. So now it's sort of reading and I have time off where I can read books and I can understand more about myself and try and put those things into practice going into next season. Well, Rishi, I'm really glad, first and foremost, that you have found that and it has helped you with your game because we've heard that a lot on the podcast and in terms of almost pigeonholing yourself as just being a cricketer, because especially in your life as well, not just with your family, but your friends, when you've gone on this dream, you've gone on this journey, you are just Rishi Patel, the cricketer Mm. in a lot of people's eyes, aren't you? But in reality, there is a different person behind that. And I always think back to a conversation I had with Ben Scott the former Middlesex keeper, I'll never, ever forget this episode of the podcast 
because he always said that he wanted to be more than just Ben Scott the cricketer yeah. and that there was more to life than just the game of bat and ball and it is very very important to appreciate and recognize that I think as a cricketer and you mentioned overthinking which isn't just a problem in cricket is it that's just the problem with life in general yeah. I'm guilty of it I think a lot of people are guilty of it as well we always overthink things as as human beings but do you have any particular methods and approaches that you use in order to maybe mitigate against the issues associated with overthinking? I, I try and get away from the game as much as I can. So whether that's playing tennis or playing golf or doing those sort of things just to make sure I'm not always thinking about cricket because what can happen, and it has, it did happen last season, was you'd go home from a day of cricket and there'd be the England game on, or there'd be a T20 game on, or, you know, and because and you're a cricket fan, you still want to watch cricket. And it's almost saying, no, I don't want to watch cricket. I don't want to have my mind on cricket because I've still got another day of cricket left or another three days of cricket left. It's almost finding that time and going away from it, whether that's going to the pool to go sauna or go to the steam room, jacuzzi, whatever it is, just to get away from cricket at the end of the day and try and switch off, which is very hard because you're always going to be analysing your mistakes that you've made during the day. And when you do have a good day, you never really think about the good day. It's always the one shot you could have played better or the one shot that got you out or, you know, and myself, my brain sort of tends to go towards that negative and it's, remembering and I look back at it and I use a lot of um, MV play to watch it and watch the good stuff that I do as well, not just how I got out that day or how I've been getting out. Well, again, Rishi, we'll pick that up in just a second, actually, because it's interesting you mentioned that. Because, again, this was another old episode of the podcast. This was with with, uh, with Craig Miles of my county of Warwickshire. And he mentioned a piece of advice that Mark Robinson gave him. And he said... Don't make the good days ridiculously good, as in don't get ahead of yourself, but try and make a bad day an okay day and an okay day a good day. So maintain that even kill, maintain that level-headedness, I suppose, but at the same time, don't beat yourself up. Yeah. Because in cricket, a lot of things are out of your control. And it's interesting you mention looking at those highlights on MV Play. Great place to find video clips, by the way, for any upcoming analysts. Really, it's fantastic to watch county cricket clips, but... When you do suffer those bad periods of form, which is going to happen in the game of cricket, in particular for you as a top-order batter, as opposed to middle-order option now, how do you get over those rough patches? Do you have any particular coping mechanisms and strategies that you employ, aside from maybe watching those videos, to remind yourself of what you're capable of on a cricket field? Yeah, to be honest, I, I don't really know. Like, I haven't found the answers just yet in my journey. Like... There hasn't been too many times I can go back and be like, oh, this is what I did really well. And this is where I just had the confidence. And I think a lot of it does derive from confidence. You know, you're no worse a player um, than you were three months ago. You just had confidence of scoring runs. And now you don't have the confidence of scoring runs. You start thinking about other things that you think will help you score runs. And the one thing I have tried to do is maintain the one thing that you can control and that's watching the cricket ball as simple as it is it's if i watch that cricket ball then it doesn't matter 
what else happens around me because I've got that one focus point. Whereas if I start thinking about where my head is or my feet is, what my trigger's doing and all of that stuff that clouds it, you then end up not really focusing on that one thing that really matters. And that's just watching that red or white ball coming at you. 100%. And it's a fascinating discussion, this, isn't it? When we discuss the, the psychological aspects of the game, because this could be an episode in itself. And to be honest, Rishi, I might have to bring you back on for a chat just about the, the mental aspects of the game, because... No, it is. It's fascinating. And we are still learning so much about the game of cricket. And it does play such a massive role, in particular for batters, I think. Obviously, for bowlers, you want the psychological edge. But yeah. I feel like with batters in particular, openers, top order options, when you do suffer those rough patches, it's interesting to find out how different people actually cope with that and, and try and, you know, flip that form on its head. So, yeah, we'll have to pick that conversation up in due course, Rishi. Absolutely, yeah. 100%, yeah, we'll have to make that happen after today's episode. But before we do talk about that, I suppose, I just want to take the conversation back to your county journey and really how it ended with Essex. Because you mentioned beforehand, making that debut for Essex, being a part of that championship team, that must have been tremendously yeah. special, in particular considering the fact that it's your local county and they are such a prestigious organisation to play for. But again, this is going to be a profound question in hindsight, with the power of retrospect, why do you think things didn't quite work out at Essex? Um, to be completely truthful, I, I think that when I made that decision, it was for the right decision, and that was to develop me as a cricketer. Not necessarily thinking about the county itself, it was more to make myself play first team cricket. You know, I performed really well in second team cricket and I had done for three, three odd years. Um, and I felt in myself that if I played more second team cricket, I wasn't going to improve as much as I would be if I was playing first team cricket. And that's pretty much what it came down to. We had, I had a chat with um, Nico who was here and then had a chat with Mags and said, look, what are the chances of me actually breaking into the first team and being regular? And it wasn't very high at that time. You know, Ravi was still around. I think Tendo was there and um, Dan Lawrence was around. Like, they had a lot of good players and a lot of good batsmen. And I, I chatted to a few people and I remember sort of Tendo going to me and being like, for your career, you need to play first team cricket. And Leicestershire offered me a longer contract of three years with more stability, with more of a chance of playing first-team cricket. So in my head, it was a no-brainer. And although I was really upset to leave, um, it was more of a selfish thing to do at, my, at that point in my career and say, I've just got to play more first-team cricket. Well, you do. And again, in sport, you do have to make those decisions. You have to be selfish at times in order to bet yourself as a cricketer and... It has paid off, this move to Leicestershire, as we shall discuss when we talk about one particular innings, which came against my county in 2021. I was there in the stands for that, so we will talk about that in just a second. But again, in terms of first impressions, obviously I'm guessing it would have been very different. You've lived in Chigwell your entire life, basically down in Essex, so very much an, an Essex boy through and through. First and foremost, what were your first impressions of Leicestershire as both a club and an area, I suppose? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting area. I mean, where I grew up in Chigwell is 
Um, it's quite a nice area, to be fair. My parents have done very well for themselves, and they gave me a very nice uh, upbringing, very nice place to live. And coming to Leicester, slightly different. There's a lot more um, terrace houses and townhouses, and everything sort of enclosed around Leicester. Um, so it is a change, and I think for any 21, 22 year old to move themselves mid country to, you know, train and um live and play breathe cricket essentially is is a hard thing to do because you don't get away from it you you train with the lads you might live with a few lads but then they're the only people you know in that area so even if you're trying to get away from the game it's like well i only know the cricket lads and whenever there's cricket lads it's always going to be about cricket so obviously I live with Harry now and he has his mates who are in Leicester. So he ha can have that separation and go, I want to get away from cricket for a bit. Whereas for us, it's like, well, that's all we're here for. You know what I mean? So that part, I think I have found tough and, you know, finding people to, you know, change and not just talk about cricket all the time. Um, but that will come with more time and the more friends I make up here. And um, that's just a different challenge, I guess, of being a cricketer who's moved. Absolutely. And that's completely understandable, isn't it? When you have lived in one place for your entire life and then all of a sudden you've up to move to, to Leicestershire in the Midlands. Mm. I can imagine it is quite a, you know, a bit of a difference. But at the same time, it's a nice county. I've got a lot of time for Leicestershire. Lovely yeah, club, lovely. very much family and community yeah. orientated, isn't it? That is the one thing I said, like coming up here, it's very much a family. You can, I can call Nico, although he's in Pakistan at the moment, but I could call Nico and say, look, I'm having trouble with, I don't know, my car or something like that. And he'll give me like four different mechanics to go and um, see, because they all know Nico and Nico is Mr. Leicestershire, essentially. Um, so it, everyone does work really well together and you can always call him or, I'll call anyone at the club and they've always got time for you and you know i try and go into the office and say hello and sit down have a chat and distract them for their work for five ten minutes um pretty much being be as annoying as possible for them until they kick me out of the office well that is lovely to hear rishi it, it really is mate and honestly it's just a lovely club i've got a lot yeah. of time for leicester and a lot of the players have come on so gotta thank the running foxes they really have helped us out here at the County Cricket Podcast over the course of the past two years. And in terms of highlights, I think I know what this might be. But in terms of your proudest moments in a Leicestershire shirt so far, what do you say has been the pinnacle, Rishi? You know what? I reckon you know what it's going to be, but it's not going to be that. Oh, OK. It's, it's going to be last year in the T20s. So we played Northampton and we won in a remarkable victory. And um, we obviously got docked the point um, after that game. So we couldn't qualify and they meant Yorkshire went through. But the proudest moment would be the way the team came back from that disappointment because we got told the night before the game that we're not going to qualify to come back and to beat Yorkshire in the way we did and the style we did it. I think that would be the proudest moment. Again, that wasn't what I was expecting. We probably will discuss that century against Warwickshire in due course. But actually, I did want to know the the inside story of that then. Because we did speak about that on the podcast. And to be honest, 
rotten timing, wasn't it, for Leicestershire, in particular given how well the boys had played in that T20 campaign. I yeah. mean, any other year, you would have been through as the fourth-place team. You would have played Surrey in the quarterfinals. Yeah, yeah, so. As a team, like, I think just to come down for it, I think we thought it was pretty harsh, harsher penalty, um, knowing that how well we'd done. I think there was a bit of confusion about the whole point system as well because we'd racked up a lot of points in the last season before. Um, but then Akers had got banned as well for a Red Bull game. So we then, oh, I did. I thought, well, how can we get banned or how can our captain get banned? We have a punishment, but then we still have points on the board. Um so that sort of, I couldn't get my head around that. Knowing that we'd had been on the brink and we'd had pretty much, we'd gone through six months, uh, four months, half the season of not getting a point or getting any points in any format. So we behaved really well as, as a team. Um, and obviously things that were said on the pitch infuriated a few players and... I think the heat of the moment just got to them and, you know, that decisions were made and we ultimately play, paid the price of it and we got deducted our two points, which meant we would have qualified. Yeah, it's a shame, to be honest. But obviously at the same time, I mean, it's a learning experience, isn't it? Yeah. For that squad. Yeah. Because they are very harsh, the Cricket Disciplinary Committee, as yeah. many a county have found out over the years, they do not give you any leeway at all, but... That must have been tremendously disappointing. But again, for the boys to bounce back, not just in the Yorkshire game, but also in the one-day cup. Yeah. I mean, before we talk about the individual highlight, because I do want to talk about that, that was an astonishing innings against the Bears. But again, what would you make of that campaign in the, in the 50-over stuff? Because up until the quarter-final, that was quite something, wasn't it? Yeah, I think we we always back ourselves in that. Obviously, it's during the 100, and some teams do get a bit weaker. Um, but... As a group, we're always really confident going into that and thinking like we can win it. And we had a really good campaign. To be to be fair, I think we done really well. Um, I'd obviously not had the best of um, seasons in that, and I was really disappointed in myself. Um, but then, obviously, playing in that Durham game where the pressure was really on and sort of fighting through whatever bad run of form I'd been on and trying to. You know, just bat for the team and survive and rotate and keep things as simple as possible. And we ended up getting through due to some nice hitting from Beezer at the end. Um, and I think we were beaten by the better team. Kent were the better team, if we're honest. And they outplayed us and outfielded us and outbowled us in all departments. So the right team did go through and they ended up winning the tournament. And I thought they, they were going to win the tournament after they played us, like the way they just hit the right form at the right time, I think. And because um, we were watching that game where there was sort of like that decider and we were like, oh, who are we going to play? We would have much rather taken Yorkshire than Kent, I think, as a team. Um, and they eventually did go and win the cup. Well, that's the thing. I take solace from that from 2021 as well with the Bears in the blast. If you're going to lose to any team, let it be the team that actually wins the entire thing yeah. because then you can, you know, wipe your hands with it and say, okay, fair enough, they were the best team in the comp. But the the other factor, I suppose, at play with Kent this season was the whole Steve-O story, wasn't it? 
Yeah. Well, I'm not going to say it's written in the stars because at one point they had a terrible start to the 50 yeah. over comp. But as that momentum builded, you get to the quarterfinal and you're thinking, okay, fair enough, Kent are very much challengers here. They win that quarterfinal, they win the semi. It gets yeah. to Trent Bridge and you're thinking, yeah, it's destiny, isn't it? He was unbelievable, honestly. We played him and he came out and he started swinging and I was like, wow, he hits it so far. Like, <laughs> he hits it so far. He still got timing and then he came on and bowled and he just didn't miss. And we were just like, you know what? Well, sometimes just get beaten by the better team and I think they were. They were. And it's well, the best team. Yeah. Exactly. And Steve-O is the GOAT for the reason, so yeah. you know <laughs> you can't really complain with that. The only thing yeah. that I will say, the fact that as of this recording, the 22nd of November, Steve-O still does not have a team for 2023. So if anyone of the 17 other counties is listening, saw that out, it yeah. needs a contract. I do. I do. It's shocking. Yeah. If he's got more in him, I think he, someone's, someone will come in for him, surely. They're better. They're better. I don't want to see a county circuit without Steve in 2023. So please sort that out. Any of the 17 other counties, even if that's Worcestershire, right? Get Steve in your squad right now. But talking of outstanding individual displays, Rishi, I've wanted to bring this up throughout the entire episode, to be honest, because I was there to witness this live in the flesh and my beloved Edgebaston in the 2021 Royal London One Day Cup or Century, because I've got to be completely honest. That really was exceptional, outstanding, brilliant, whatever you want to describe it as, any synonym, any superlative will do, to be honest. In terms of that day and that game, what can you recall from that most fateful of days in the second city? It was a great day. Um, personally, it was, but as a team, we ended up losing, which was the hardest part because we'd done so much of the hard work there to get ourselves into a great position and me, I should have taken on more of a responsibility in getting us home. You know, it was a bit of naivety and a bit of poor thinking. And once I've got the 100, I thought, oh, look, we're pretty much through and we should have, we pretty much should have won that game. And we only needed, I think, 70 off 15 or something like that. And I thought it's, the game's pretty much done. And that's just inexperience and naivety from me. And I got a bit of a bollock, well, big bollock in, at the end of that game um, for not getting us home. But during it, I just felt amazing. Like, I, they, oh, I, I remember it, and I remember a lot of the shots, and I can't really describe it. It was just a real nice innings, and everything sort of that I'd worked on um, during the winter had come in at a nice time, and it, it was just a good campaign for myself, and I just loved the format and was scoring runs, um, which is very different to this year, to the season just gone. Yeah, but it happens, doesn't it? You're going to have peaks and troughs yeah, exactly. in the game of cricket. But you mentioned the season as a whole in 2021. Leicestershire's second leading run scorer behind Lewis Hill with 319 runs at 45.57. That's quite the output, to be honest, in a 50-over competition. And that knock... I think it was either against Jordan Bullpits or it might have been Gaz, George Garrett, for those who don't know. We call him Gaz here in Warwickshire. But a couple of the shots you nailed off the back foot against our seamers were exceptional. I mean, is that something that you do that you do pride yourself on in terms of that power hitting over the 
over the outfield and obviously hitting down the ground, as we mentioned yeah. earlier. Yeah, I like hitting down the ground and do a lot of work in it um, in the net and try and be as consistent as I can in hitting straight. Um, but it's just it was just nice to have everything sort of come together for for that one game. Um, and yeah, it was just real, real nice because you had a quite a young young attack. And I think obviously Rhodes came in at the end and bowled 10 straight through and bowled unbelievably well. Um, but apart from that, like, yeah, it was just just amazing where you almost felt like you couldn't really do too much wrong. And eventually I did do something wrong and I got caught a deep square leg. Yeah, but again, that's inexperience, isn't it? And what a game of cricket that was as well. Yeah. Might I just add, obviously for Leicestershire, incredibly disappointing. And I know that's from being told this by a couple of the players, Nico, let's just say, wasn't best pleased at the yeah. end. He was very, very angry. But um, in terms of the game itself, the ebbs and flows of cricket were just on display quite magnificently over the course of those 50 overs and a great advert for the Royal London One Day Cup. So honestly, Rishi, I'm glad I can tell you this in person. Excellent knock, mate. Really was. Even though it was against my county, it's one of those which I won't be forgetting anytime soon. And of course, that game, also memorable as well for myself as a Bears fan. But aside from the highlights, both individually and from a team perspective, Rishi, again, a bit like asked with the Essex days, are there any particular tough moments that you've experienced during your time with the Foxes to date? Yeah, like I probably alluded to this a few times with that 50 over comp was a real um, low point and a real disappointment to myself. I just couldn't get going and I didn't know how to get going. I, I was in the nets pretty much every day of that one day comp trying to figure out a way to just, you know, go back to being able to have confidence to score runs. I think that taught me a lot about the way the way cricket is and, you know, not everything's going to go your way, but I think the foundations and keep working on some of the basics that I did do during that did help me to get that reward. That was the Durham game in a high pressure situation. Um, where I could just completely just switch off and go back to the basics of playing cricket. And that was not having any pressure on me in terms of having to score quickly because it was a low-scoring game. And the way I was sort of thinking was, well, it doesn't matter how quickly I score these runs as long as we score these runs. So, you know, I then got like 50 off like 100 balls. So it was more of a red ball innings, but... It was just what we needed to do at that time. So you, And then obviously having the disappointment of the Kent game where I got a good ball. But I felt good and I felt like I was back to normal, essentially. Good. Well, that is excellent to hear, Rishi. And of course, for the Foxes fans out there, fingers crossed, you can be back to your best in 2023. I know that would have been a difficult campaign for you personally, but as 2021 shown... When you're on yeah. form in white ball cricket, <laughs> definitely someone to watch. Very, very exciting talent, to say the least. And before we talk about the future and we discuss those future am- uh, aspirations and ambitions, just to wrap up today's episode of the podcast, I should have asked this right at the beginning, Rishi, but I always ask this, regardless of, of the discipline that each cricketer possesses. But in terms of batting as an art form, we've discussed a lot of the difficult bits of it. But in terms of the real highlights and the, the best aspects of batting, what makes you come back? What do you enjoy so much about the art of batting in the game of cricket? You know, like as a, 
as a fan, I'm sure you've experienced this. And I sort of sometimes get this as well, is that you hit that one shot and it's only one shot, but it's, it comes right out the middle and you look at the bowler and the bowler just goes like that. That is, for me, the best part about being a batsman when you can see the bowler is just defeated because you've played a one shot, which is a pretty, to a, probably a pretty good ball that he thought was a pretty good ball. And you've just been able to just get on top of it or cream it for four. And the bowler just, just doesn't know what to do. I think that's the best part for me. Fair enough. I can relate to that. Not the middling, to be honest, but being the bowler, I'm usually on the receiving end of that, to be honest, on the village greens. I don't think I've ever middled a cricket ball in my life. It's usually the outside edge, which I've got to say. Thank you to Bear Cricket for, for sponsoring our bats, by the way, because those nice thick edges definitely help me as a tail end to get that batting average over four runs per game. But no, it's interesting to hear that. It really is. So almost that one-upsmanship over the bowler, because it's a very competitive environment, is, is cricket. And in fact, just one final question with regards to that. What do you find more satisfying, defeating a seamer or a spin bowler? Um, oh, a day one seamer, a day four spinner. <laughs> Which one? If you can only choose one, because those are like the two. They're the two bosses, aren't they? Yeah. I think a day one seamer, getting through that first lunch until lunch and um, not necessarily having the runs, but knowing that you've got through it and you're in a good place. Fair enough. I like that answer. But if you can score the runs as well, even better. In particular, when the ball is nipping about all over the place, yeah, I imagine that must be tremendously satisfying, watching a good opening bowler walk off and trudge off disappointingly as an opener in the game of cricket. But Rishi, I suppose just to wrap up what's been a fascinating episode of the podcast, it really has. I've really loved this. It's been a great discussion. We'll have to get you back on at some point to discuss the, the psychological aspects. But... In terms of the future, obviously we're talking in November, right? So it's the off-season, still very much just almost setting the, the gears in motion ahead of next season. But in terms of 2023, from both an individual and, of course, a wider team perspective, what are you hoping to achieve over the course of the next summer? So next summer, personally, I would like to be um, leading or being up and thereabouts in terms of the run scoring for the team. Um, obviously the higher the runs are better um, my target in every sort of season is a thousand champo runs because that's sort of the benchmark of every player I think and every batsman in Red Bull cricket and then as as a team I think obviously we want to try and compete because last year we didn't compete in any Red Bull games if we're honest and we weren't at the races so being able to compete in the Red Bull season and then taking the white ball season to the next level. So T20s will be getting through the quarterfinals, getting into the semis. Same with the um, 50 over stuff, getting into the semifinals and really putting yourself under that sort of pressure um, to you know, have the expectation to win trophies. I think that's the thing. Well, Rishi, it goes without saying, mate, but obviously wishing yourself and the Foxes nothing but the very best of luck heading into next summer and beyond. I know it's a difficult campaign, especially in the in the county championship. That was very difficult for the Foxes, but fingers crossed in 2023, they can bounce back. Who knows? Promotion, that'd be lovely, wouldn't it? It'd be amazing. Faithful out there. Oh, it would. It, it really would. And again, that's what you've got to keep on aspiring for. 
that next level. And of course, we go back onto that similar theme of, of silverware. It's always lovely to win yeah. some trophies. So fingers crossed, Foxes fans, the boys can get the job done in 2023. But Rishi, that is essentially it for today's episode. Just before we say our final goodbyes for the recording, do you have anything to plug or promote? Any social media channels, websites, anything like that? No, you can follow me on Instagram. Um, uh, so if I get my name right, I think my name is uh, Rishi26 Patel. Um, and check out Kipax Cricket because they do do the best gears. Well, there we go, folks. We shall leave the links to those in the podcast description below. So if you want to go and follow Rishi on Instagram, we will, of course, leave that in there and you can go and do so in your own time. But Rishi, thanks again for coming on today. It's been an absolute pleasure. We'll have to reconvene at another point for that psychological discussion. I look forward to that at some points before the 2023 season begins. But yeah, that is essentially it from us two here at the Counter Cricket Podcast for today's episode. To each and every single one of you wonderful listeners out there, thank you very much for tuning in. And as always, guys, we will see you on the next one.